Batteries are causing a water crisis. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. It's back to school time, but in Detroit, if kids and teachers get thirsty, they will be drinking bottled water. That's because after testing 24 schools, 16 were found to contain lead or copper. Drinking water has now been shut off in all Detroit public schools. The Detroit Free Press reports that officials have been attempting to assure residents that the problem has to do with the school's plumbing and not the water supply. Washing hands and flushing toilets will still be allowed. Detroit's not alone. Lead was recently found in schools in Hammond, Indiana and Polk County, Florida. In July, the Federal Government Accounting Office released data showing that testing for lead is done in only 40 of the nation's school districts, and nearly 4 in 10 of those had elevated lead levels. Batteries are increasingly a part of our lives. They're in our cell phones, laptops, and now electric cars. Most contain lithium, and much of it, nearly 50%, is mined from one of the driest places on Earth, the Atacama Desert in Chile. As reported in Wired, to extract lithium, miners start by drilling a hole in salt flats and then pump mineral-rich brine to the surface. After waters evaporate, the lithium is collected. The process is relatively cheap, but it uses a lot of water, about 500,000 gallons per ton of lithium. And that's having a big effect on local farmers and ranchers, some of whom have had to get water driven in from elsewhere. In May, the government released a study showing that the country's rivers, aquifers, glaciers, and lakes are shrinking in the midst of a long-term drought. And as Reuters reports, that has local indigenous peoples, copper miners, and lithium extraction companies all competing for water. Efforts to conserve have been difficult because one agency regulates the mining of metals, but another regulates brine and water pumping, and there's been no communication between the two. However, about 10 days ago, the Chilean government announced that water permits in the south part of the Atacama Desert would be limited because the current situation is not sustainable. There's another unsustainable practice, the dredging of sand, and it's seriously harming some poor countries. Sand and gravel are the most extracted materials in the world after water. They are used in construction for concrete and asphalt. Countries like Singapore have used sand to make its land mass larger, and that island nation has grown by a fifth since 1965. Much of the sand is being extracted from Cambodia and Indonesia. According to a new study from researchers at the University of Ottawa, the dredging of coastal sand is causing the loss of mangrove swamps, coastal erosion, and damaging local fishing, particularly in Cambodia. According to The Guardian, the research shows that sand miners have destroyed at least two dozen islands in Indonesia in the last 13 years. Coastal sand is much more suited for construction than that from the desert. The desert winds make the grains too round. China is one of the largest consumers of sand. Between 2011 and 2013, it used more sand than the U.S. did in the entire 20th century. 
Shipping through the Arctic Ocean may become easier with the melting ice due to global warming. The number of ships traveling there is increasing and expected to grow. Some of those ships are operated by cruise lines, and a new study commissioned by the World Wildlife Fund Canada shows that the amount of gray water from sinks, laundry machines, bathtubs, shower stalls, or dishwashers that's dumped into the ocean could double by 2035. Currently, there are no regulations about disposal in northern Canada. The ships discharge it without any treatment. Melissa Nock of the Wildlife Fund told the Toronto Star that it contains detergents, shampoos, microplastics, food particles, oils, grease, and metals. Nack said that all of the cleaning materials on ships is pretty toxic stuff, and it can create dead zones due to algal blooms and can also contaminate shellfish. The gray water affects the food chain from invertebrates to whales. However, cruise ships that go through Alaska are more regulated by both that state and the U.S. government, so some some ships bypass Alaska to dump their waste in Canadian waters. Besides gray water dumping, environmentalists worry that a shipwreck could leak heavy oil into the seas where cold temperatures slow or halt its breakdown. And finally this week, it's been a hot, dry summer in much of Europe. Drought and searing heat waves have led to wildfires in Sweden and Germany, and many farmers are struggling to produce crops. The low rainfall has dropped water levels so much that in some places, ancient sites have been revealed. The Smithsonian reports that an ornate 17th century garden in England and a prehistoric henge in Ireland have emerged, as well as a lost German village once submerged underwater. The drought has also revealed something more ominous. Hunger stones. Hunger stones are big boulders that were embedded in rivers, mostly around Germany in the 15th through 19th centuries. They were meant to mark the water level as a warning to future generations about potential bad harvests and famine should the water levels sink that low again. And with the severe conditions this summer, more than a dozen hunger stones are now visible along the Elbe River in the Czech Republic. According to Reuters, a boulder in Dechin dating from 1616 is fully exposed after the river level dropped to 45 inches. Known as Hunger Rock, it contains an inscription which translates to, If you see me, weep. While the rocks and their carvings may chronicle historic weather patterns, their appearances may now be a tool for scientists to study climate change. The Guardian reports that the European Drought Observatory recommends that farmers take steps to adapt to warmer climates with crop adaptation and more sustainable watering practices. Here's hoping that no stone is left unturned toward reducing the impacts of climate change. This Week in Water is supported by the American Water Works Association, highlighting the latest cost-effective strategies to manage aging infrastructure at the Water Infrastructure Conference and Expo, October 28th to 31st in Atlanta. Learn more at awwa.org forward slash h2o infocon.